Welcome to episode 40 of the Ministry at Scale podcast. I'm your host, Chad Williams. Join us as we discuss trends, learn from experts, and share practical tips to help your ministry multiply its digital impact. So all you ministry leaders out there who are putting your blood, sweat, and tears into serving people and lifting them up, that's a tough job. That job sometimes really sucks. And uh, I just want to encourage you and just say a quick prayer for you. Father God in heaven, thank you for bringing your brothers and sisters together to serve you, to build your kingdom, uh, some through the pulpit, some through business. But uh, the, the people in, uh, in Chad's network and building ministries, God, I pray that you encourage them, you bless them, you, you open up uh, financial uh, blessings to so they can expand their impact. Give them wisdom, give them direction. Let them know that you're proud of them just the way they are. In Jesus' name, amen. host Chad Williams. If, if you're a regular listener, you know that we like to talk about how ministries can multiply impact by scaling their digital outreach. Sometimes I found that a great way to grow is to learn from other industries and then take those principles and apply them to ministry. Examples like Amazon and personalization or how brands are using social media. Well, today we're talking with someone who has a lot of experience scaling businesses. So, so I'm super excited to see what we can learn about scaling businesses that might apply to help you scale your ministry. So today I'm excited to have Josh Wilson of Kingdom Syndicate joining us. Josh is an entrepreneur, an investor, a podcaster of the show, The Deal Scout. He's also a connector. And he has a huge heart for Kingdom Impact. So Josh, welcome to the show. We're glad to have you. Hey, Chad. Thanks for having me, man. So, so Josh, first, can you just walk us through your work experience? What journey has God led you on in your career and to bring you to the point right now where you're a, a, a podcaster of, 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 uh, of a show plus running Kingdom Syndicate? So yeah, just talk us through your background. Yeah, so I laugh because, uh, you know, my wife just asked me last night, she goes, okay, Josh, so so what do you do, right? What do you do for work? Every day you leave for work and come home and sometimes late. My wife asked me just last night. So you might be an entrepreneur if your wife, who you've been married 12 years, still doesn't know what the heck you do, right? Wow. So I'll take, you, I'll take you through a little bit of my journey. And I've, I've had more failures than, than most, right? And if you look at my LinkedIn, uh, and you can share that if you want, Chad, but like the most typical like message I get on LinkedIn is congrats on your new job, right? Mm -hmm. So I've had a lot of different jobs, started a bunch of different companies. And uh, you, you mentioned that I have a lot of experience scaling businesses and I, and I have, I've worked in venture capital and private equity, and I've done market research and built courses for the University of Florida. And I've, I built some cool things, but I've had a lot more failures <laughs> and I've had home runs or, or, or victories. So uh, I'll walk you through a few of them. And, uh, and hopefully that will give, you know, give a little bit of credibility and also for people go, oh, this guy has failed a lot. So maybe we can learn how not to fail, right? So uh, I started in construction. My, my mom's side of the family was uh, the pastors and I grew up in a, a family of 
a lot of pastors, my five uncles who are pastor, grandfather, pastor, great grandfather, wrote a hundred books on the Bible, been on TV shows wow. and radio. And, you know, so mom's side of the family, super, you know, Bible thumpers. And then dad's side of the family was the construction guy. So I grew up on the construction site, uh, swinging hammers and, uh, you know, sitting in Florida on the top of a truss with a, you know, doing roofing and such like that with yeah. my dad, I looked down and I saw this, uh, this Escalade drive up and this person got out of the Escalade, put a sign in the front yard that said for sale and drove off. And I'm looking, I'm making, I think my dad was paying me. My dad didn't pay me a lot, maybe like eight bucks an hour to uh -huh. like, you know, to do roofing. And that yeah. sucked in Florida. Yeah. So I, I looked at that as a young, younger guy and go, holy moly, I'm in the wrong job. So at 18 years old, I got my real estate license, which kind of got me into, you know, my thought was my dad could build it. I could sell it. And then I kind of find, found my niche. I was valley parking and uh, people were coming out and I was just talking to everybody and we were having fun. And uh, I wound up getting our first investor while uh, valley parking cars. And then I got into what's called like syndication where I'd put investors and deals together. And I didn't even know what that meant at the time, but you know, I went from swinging hammers to building multifamily units and then built in spec houses. And you know, along the journey, 10,000 failures, but uh, I've worked with you know tons of investors, built a bunch of podcasts, built some shows, built a fitness technology company, hmm. uh, and had a lot of failures along the way. I, I mentioned failures a lot because uh, we could dive into that more, but that is such an important part of a journey of, yeah. of trying and growing in scale is, is failing, right? So I'll pause here. Which direction would you like us to go? Oh, no, that's awesome. First, I, I love your background in construction. My dad was a carpenter and I paid my way through college as a framing contract or framing, working framing on a framing crew. So uh, uh, the way I approached it was, hey, if you have a skill like this, if everything else falls apart, you always have something to fall back on, right? Right. And so so learning to work with your hands is is awesome. I have encouraged all my kids to do that. They they are often down at grandpa's swinging a hammer or building fence or, or learning those kind of things. So yeah. there is, uh, there's great, great things to be learned from, from the trades. So I'm, I'm really glad that you, you mentioned that brought that up. Yeah. So, so you, you, you mentioned failure. I, I'm, I'm just curious about how, what mindset do you have as you approach failure? So, so first on identity before we hit failure, so I believe that God created me entrepreneurial, right? Like I have that entrepreneurial lean, right? I've worked in government. I've worked in, um, you know, corporate America. And I typically don't fit real well. I'm usually a visionary, have a lot of ideas, don't like, you know, hardcore systems and processes, don't like being a part of the, the cog. So like I'm naturally geared towards entrepreneurship. So that's, mm -hmm. that's a part of my wiring. Um, and you know, we, in, in failure, the, the mindset, right. The mindset to approach things is like, I feel like God has a calling on my life to build businesses for his glory. Right. And, and my business is my ministry, my, the name of my company kingdom syndicate, right. I build Kings for the glory of God. Right. And I do that through investors, investing in businesses, acquiring businesses and, you know, and, and I'm learning to do this better and better. But, you know, if you look at, if you look at you know, professional baseball players, right? They're batting, you know, 300 is really good. That means they're failing 70% of the time. Yeah. Um, in the investment world, like an angel investor, like someone who's built a company, sold it, and now they're 
job is to invest in companies, right? They call themselves maybe angel investors. They might be doing yeah. it full-time or part-time, Yeah. but their, their hit rate, right? Is about two out of 10. So they have yeah. an 80% failure rate. So when approaching, you know, especially in startups or risky, riskier investments, you know, like failure is not good, right? Rule, rule number one in investing, don't lose money. Right. So you have to be wise on how you do in a, a portfolio approach or diversification of your investments. But failure is a normal thing that you have to not get comfortable with because, man, it sucks losing money. I've lost money. I've been in food stamps. I've been bankrupt. You know, like I've lost money one day working in venture capital, the next day on the back of a moving truck mm -hmm. uh, to put diapers on my baby's butts. Right. So mm -hmm. failure is something that I don't know if you'll ever get comfortable with. You just got to go. This sucks. Doesn't feel good. I'm, I'm going to do everything I can to not fail, but I have to push towards a win. Wins are where we, we, we put our focus because what happens when a win is there's an impact. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm chasing wins and I'm chasing impact and failures just part of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting that you bring up failure. Cause I actually have a, when we onboard people here at five Q um, I like to take 30 minutes, 45 minutes. And, and part of the things that I share with them is one of the books that impacted me more than I realized at the time, but I was in high school and I read the book failure, the back door to success Ooh. by Erwin Lutzer. And, uh, another flip, interesting side, side note of that is Erwin Lutzer was a pastor at Moody church for years and years. And he ended up that Moody church is a client of ours. And so just God's uh, timing there. But, but what I, what I tell our team is, you know, um, you're going to fail. There's going to be things that you're doing that you're going to fail. In fact, if you're not, you're probably not pushing ahead far enough. Yeah. But the question is, how do you, how do you handle that failure? What is your mindset and approach to it? And, and I say, you know, you, you, you look back on it and say, what can we learn? And then what are we going to do differently as we move forward? And where I get concerned is when I see the same failure happening over and over and again, then we have a different kind of conversation. Yeah. So, so encouraging, in, encouraging the right, like failing forward, encouraging the right kind of failure, I think is, is, is really good. Yeah. yeah. And when, you know, I did a, a lot of marketing research and, and experiments and conversion rate optimization. And, you know, I've, yeah. I've done the, uh, I've, I've built a lot of marketing programs and such like that. So when I, when I approach failure now or an experiment now, I look at things as kind of experiments yep. and I, I do risk containment or risk mitigation. So I, you know, like it's in the movie Patriot aim small, miss small. Right. So it's just like, what are some base hits we can get that ensure the lights stay on and that things move forward. So what are some things that I know we can move the needle forward and then let's yeah. test riskier things as a segment rather than the whole. So yeah. that allows us to, you know, explore different types of deals and different types of things. And when you've done enough, you could look back and go, Oh, that's a pattern. That looks like a red flag. You know, yeah. that guy or gal's talking way too smooth. There's something missing. Right. So you learn yeah. from past mistakes too. gut instincts. Yeah, no, that, that's good. So, so talk to, so, so, so a lot of ministry and ministry founders I talk with, they, the same sense of calling that you have to entrepreneurship, they have to their specific ministry. And um, sometimes talking about failure to them is like, well, God's not going to let me fail because he's called me to this ministry. 
Um, what would you say to that person who has a mindset of, you know, this is where God's calling me, you know, we're not going to fail. And then when times get hard, how do they, how do they think through things? Right. So this is going to probably be challenging and I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of, you know, people who go, yeah, you know, we agree. And then there's going to be, there's some that are, you know, showing up at my door with pitchforks and, and, uh, lanterns. Right. So I grew up in a, in a very, um, Bible believing family, very religious family. And, um, you know, failure was, I'm, I'm trying to say this to, to also be respectful, but also to, to show, like, let you guys behind the kimono, right. Is, you know, like you feel like you have to be perfect if you're in ministry or if your grandfather is so-and-so or your uncle is so-and-so, or if you're in the church and, you know, like I was pretty much born on a pew. Right. So it's just like, you feel like the need to be perfect. So what happens is you start hiding your failures. And then what happens is your kids or your team that you're leading will make the same failures, the same mistakes that you're making because everybody's hiding behind masks. And everybody's hiding behind only their successes. So what happens, and I've coached a lot of pastors <laughs> who are hurting and alone because the only thing that they could present is success and yeah. not failure. So, yeah. you know, I think that what we have to do is have the same grace that Jesus has for us. We have to have that on others. And this is where a lot of people may disagree with me. But if you believe in Jesus and he gives grace, he says, hey, you've got a log in your eye, yet you're focusing on the speck in your others or your, your friend's eye, right? What we need to do, I think, as teams that have a mission-driven purpose, right, to present the gospel or to share the, the love of Jesus, we have to be okay with our failures and share that with our team so we can learn collectively not to do that again, right? That's called yeah. wisdom is when we can yeah. learn from someone else's advice or discernment or whatever. One more point on this is I think a lot of pastors get handicapped on this failure thing. And because they're chasing what's called the well done, right? Mm -hmm. They want to get to the pearly gates and Jesus stands in front of them and goes, man, Josh, well done, my good and faithful servant, right? You ran the marathon and such like that. The problem is, and I've coached and been with a lot of pastors and, and such. Like I, I just have a heart for men. We have a show called uncensored advice for men. Mm. Uh, I have a heart for, for men. Um, and I think that this well done, like this paradigm, like you'll never do enough to gain more love from God or lose more love from God because of Jesus. What Jesus did was perfect. You can't add anything to it or take it away. So we spend all this time trying to be the well done, you know, stake, but in the, the truth of the matter is, is because of what Jesus did, you're set. Now you could live life going, Hey, I'm set. Now what cool things can we do, dad? Yeah. So that's how yeah. I look at kind of failure. Yeah, no, that, that is a, the whole, I mean, what you just described is learning to be transparent and learning to embrace who God's made us and embrace the good and the bad and to be honest with that and then to learn from that. And, and I think I, I know my respect for leaders and I, I've seen this with my own kids, those that are, are transparent with their challenges, uh, your respect doesn't go down for them. Your respect actually goes up for them. And whether it be leaders or, or others, there's just something, you know, there's something about 
scripture that's it turns the world upside down, right? It's just like a backward way of looking at things. It's like the more transparent we are, the more we're able to write, the more we're able to allow Jesus to, to, to help us to do the right thing the next time. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no, that's, that's really good. You know, some of when you, when you have an audience, right? Like, especially with ministers up on stage, you know, like I have stages and in, in, in terms of like digital, right? So I have 20,000 followers over here and X followers over here and whatever. Right. So it doesn't, really matter. It just means that people are paying attention. Uh, when I make a mistake, it's very public. So what I've learned to do, because I, I spent my whole life hiding behind a mask, what I've learned to do is kind of talk about it and share it. Mm. And you know, the funniest thing happened is I was talking with an investor, you know, with a, a billion after their name, right? Like billionaire, right? And, uh, and I was just like, man, I just, I, I just had a huge failure. I trusted my gut. I, I, I was confident on this and I failed. And, you know, through a series of really dumb mistakes, we, we, we lost all the money and they go, ah, welcome to the club. Right now there's a level of trust. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, like they, they trust me more because I, I shared the failures and they go, what did you learn? Will you ever make mm-hmm. that mistake again? I'm like, absolutely not. They get cool. Let's do something together. And I was just like, I was trying to hide or position or jockey, yeah. you know, to, to get them to like me or approve of me or say, Josh, you're so smart. And it's rather when I, when I took that approach, they, they started going, man, there's something different about you now. Yeah. We like yeah. you, we trust you. And I'm like, ah, and pretending my whole life, you know, now it's, I've got freedom. No, that's, that's great. So yeah. one thing that you said that you've done a lot in the past is market research. Yeah. So, so I think that's something that ministries can learn from, like, how do you do market research? Well, what do you do with the information that you find? Yeah. And uh, just, yeah, talk to us about your approach to market research. Right. So there's a, there's a, you know, you mentioned a book, um, you know, like what books are pretty impactful. So I read a book by, I think it was Claude Hopkins, uh, life and scientific advertising. So he wrote a book, it was in the twenties or something like that. And this guy, he wrote ads, right? So you, you, you look at that book and you're like, wow, that sounds like the most boring book that this world has, but it's actually really good. <laughs> scientific because it, and advertising together. Wow. Yeah. Right. So he wrote in the twenties in the twenties or thirties or something like that, but it was called my life in scientific, scientific advertising. Mm-hmm. And what he talks about is one of the things that he quoted in the book. And I'm pretty sure it was him who said that, like, when you try to speak to everyone, you speak to no one. So in a ministry, right. You're like, you know, what is our ministry's focus? And you're like, everybody who comes into our pews <laughs> within a, you know, 10 mile radius, you know, like, and you're, what you're doing is you're trying to serve everyone. And the problem with serving everyone digitally is it's expensive, right? Mm-hmm. So ministries, I, I know a lot of ministries, right? You guys don't have unlimited budgets unless, you know, Bill Gates is in your pews writing big checks, which I don't think he is. Uh, so, you know, you have limited resources trying to scale your digital marketing, right? So you got to be very pinpoint or, you know, one of my... Uh, one of my mentors once said, specificity converts, right? So when you're specific, so in marketing research, you, you kind of got to find your, your niche, right? There's in the business world, we say there's riches in the niches. In the ministry world, its impact is in the, in the niche or the specificity, right? So, you know, if, you're, if, you, if your congregation in, in your ministry is primarily geared towards an older group of people, you might not want to have you know, Lecrae come in rapping because, it, you know, there's a disconnect between, you know, 
message and style and audience receptive. So our, our marketing is the same. So in marketing research, you kind of figure out like, Hey, who should we be talking to? What should, what do we want to get them, you know, to understand or do right. And how do we, how do we go about doing it? Right. And once you get, kind of get those, then you could test it. You could grow it. You can scale it rather than, Hey, here's our newsletter. And here's our, our sermon that we preach Sunday. And people get an email and they go, what, what am I supposed to do with this? Or I go to a landing page and go, what the heck am I supposed to do here? Right. Yeah. So that's why marketing research starts the, the journey of getting to know who you're really trying to serve. Yeah. So, so I think a lot of times you hear market research, you think of somebody pouring through tons of data, analyzing a lot of data, like how, like in a for-profit space, how big is the market? And then how do we kneel down to the niches? What I hear you saying is identify who God is calling you to reach and then test things to see, I mean, use your, use your God-given brain to be able to figure out, okay, don't bring Lecrae in if you're reaching an older audience or, or uh, um, something like that. But at the same time, so, so, so you don't have to be in an ivory tower doing market re marketing research. It's, hey, let's send something out right now. Like you talked about experiments. Let's send something out right now. How does the audience respond to it? If it's getting low views or low click rates, well, that tells us that we're not hitting the audience, audience like we should. If you send something out and it goes viral, ask, hey, why did that go viral? What are the elements of that? How can we repeat that in the future? That's kind of what I'm, I'm hearing you. I'm hearing you describe a, a pragmatic approach to marketing research, not a bookish approach. Would that be yeah. accurate? Yeah. And, and a really great, here's some metrics that you can measure to see if your programs are working or not in the world of digital, right? Yeah. Did what we do, like we ran a campaign, did it bring in money? Did we increase our, our reoccurring donors? Did we have yeah. major gifts increase? No. Let's compare it to the last one. Yes. Yeah. What's different about this? Was it our messaging? Did we not send it to the right places? Like where did we miss? So you could compare and then you can improve by doing a, they call it like a split test, right? Or you yeah. can do comparison to past tests. So yeah. those are some things you could do. And it doesn't take a lot of money. You just, I think, you know, questions that we need to ask ourselves is who did God create me to be and who am I supposed to serve? Yeah. You line those things up real and you got to let God kind of take over it too. Yeah. But I bet your churches need lights on and, uh, you know, water running and such, and that takes money. So get better at asking for money, you know? Yeah, no, that's, uh, yeah. In, in car for just encouraging a ministry to carve out the half an hour or whatever it takes with the team to be able to look at the results, learn from them and go on. Cause so often we're, we're like, okay, we got that out the door. What's the next thing we're going to be doing. And uh, yeah, so, so you mentioned that you've grown your audience or audiences to 20,000 followers or, or, or whatever it has been. Talk to us about some of the ways that you've been able to identify the niche and then what are the, some of the tactics and strategies you've used to grow your audience to scale? Yeah, great question, man. Um, so one is it kind of starts with that, you know, who am I, right? So what am I really good at? What do, when I you know, what do I feel like I'm passionate about? What, what produces an economic engine? What produces revenue? Like what, what am I, what could I talk about all day long? And I could talk about Jesus, business and people all day long, right? Mm -hmm. You put those three together, you know, I'm a deal maker who loves God. Right. So I, I know, and I've spent time in counseling, coaching, and I've done all the personality tests. So I, I know my core value proposition. So this is how you build an audience. No who you are, your core value proposition, what you're good at, right? I don't mind jumping on a camera or microphone or something like that. If you have me reading SEC paperwork, I'm ready to jump out of a window. So I know my gifting, okay? Mm -hmm. Two, 
who is my audience? So my audience is primarily entrepreneurs, investors, deal makers, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm speaking their language. I know I could write, I could write in any one of their journals, right? Their pain points. I know what's going on when they're, I know what keeps them up at night. I know what a win looks like for them. You know, like, so I know my audience really, 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 really well. So I know who I am. I know who my audience is. And then I put things in front of them to engage them to, you know, and on, let's just say LinkedIn, because this is where, you know, business people hang out is I'm constantly like engaging with people, mm -hmm. having conversation at, you know, digitally, right. I'm tagging people. I'm creating content that's interesting to them. I'm solving their problems mm -hmm. through content. And what happens is people start following and my network is expanding rapidly mm -hmm. because of I'm connecting them and fixing their problems. People pay more for painkillers than they do for prescriptions, right? Or, or vitamins, because when you have a pain, you'll do whatever it is to stop that pain. Pain sucks, right? So that's, that's kind of how to build a, a following. That's, that's, that's really good insight. Uh, I, I think, I think especially in, I think a lot of times ministries and even, even ourselves, we look for the big win. Like we look for, you know, the, the being on New York times bestseller list, being on those things rather than like what you just described is know who you are, know your audience, and then be intentional about connecting with the individuals and those individuals will tell other individuals, which will tell other individuals. And you have this multiplier effect that, uh, that takes place rather than looking for that big win. Not that yeah. we, not that we won't take those big wins when they come, but they, that can just be used to, uh, uh to, to multiply that impact. Yeah. I'd so do you mind that. if I share one of my, my, one of my secrets with you? So anybody listening in, uh, this is a secret. So yeah, keep it, keep it, it to yourself. Right. <laughs> so I call this, uh, there's audience hacking and then there's, there's a Latin phrase called similis, similis, simile. All right. So audience hacking is this, right? So on, you know, as a pastor, you might have Facebook or, you know, TikTok or whatever, right? But on, you know, in the business world, we have LinkedIn. When I do an interview with someone and then I tag them on LinkedIn, right? All their audience, because they're going to share it because they're like, hey, I was just highlighted on a podcast show. They're sharing it with their audience, right? So I'm getting, by lifting up someone, mm -hmm. by giving them value in a podcast, I'm getting in front of their audience. Their audience, yeah. similar, 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 or whatever it's called, birds of a feather flock together. So their audience is primarily investors, entrepreneurs, business owners, right? So I lift someone up, I tag them, I'm sharing them, I get in front of their audience. Their audience are people I want to connect with anyway. So now I just had a multiplier yeah. effect in my audience growth through that. Yeah. So yeah. that's 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 the fun part of it is because I, I like these people. I love these, these are my people. Yeah. So, you know, spending time with them all day long, doing three or four interviews a day, like that's fun for me. I enjoy yeah. that. And, and again, what you just described really is about generosity is when you're generous with your influence, tagging other people, lifting them up, then uh, um, that, that generosity multiplies. Yeah. 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 No, that's, that's really good. Uh, man, Josh, I, I feel like we could keep going. And uh, about a, another dozen different directions, but even what you've shared so far has been super, super helpful. Um, I, I'm just curious, what um, what book or podcast or resource that you've been has impacted you recently that you can share with our audience? Yeah, so 
you know, I mentioned the book, My Life in Scientific Advertising, Claude Hopkins. I think that's a, a good book because he took like not much has changed in the science behind marketing since the 20s or since the beginning of time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there's some fundamental things. It's a it's an easy read. Um, now, this is something non-Christian and let the yeah. let the watcher beware. But I'll tell you why this is uh, the the the. The show that I like, I just finished all the episodes is on, I think it's on Amazon Prime. It's called Billions, right? Mm. And it, and it kind of goes through the life of a hedge fund manager. Now there's a lot of things in there that are not safe for work or not safe for, you know, people if they have sensitive eyes, right? Like, so there's some bad stuff in there. This is the reason that it really impacted me is he has a, uh, an on-staff um, psychologist who kind of, you know, because I always thought like people who go to a psychologist or a counselor are broken. But seeing how like high performance, mm. high performers, like this hedge fund guy, he would go in and he knows exactly what he needs to get tuned up. And because we're walking around and a lot of us have wounds, especially in the ministry, we've been hurt, we've mm. been abandoned, and we're walking around with wounds. And, mm. you know, what I've learned from that show, and after watching that show, I went out and I, I signed up for some counseling. And I got some coaches and I got some counseling because I realized that my performance and my mission was impacted by my brokenness. Hmm. And yes, Jesus fixes it, but a lot of times Jesus fixes things through other people. And I needed professional help. My mindset was broken. My, my thinking was broken. So that show impacted me. Like I said, let the watcher beware. There's some naughty stuff in it. But for me, I go, hey, you know what? A high performer. Why wouldn't I tune up my brain? Why wouldn't I ask for help? Why wouldn't I go to counselors and, you know, like walk through some of my, my, my baggage, drop some of that off at the, at the doorstep. Right. Like, and now things are working really well in business, right? Like, huh, who would have thought, right? Like a counselor could help me improve my business. Right. So I think that show was, was pretty helpful. Oh, that's, that's helpful. And that you actually answered my next question was, did that work for you? You know, <laughs> we'll find and, out. <laughs> no, that's, and, and, and I'm sure your wife is probably thanking you too. She gave me the best compliment. I think uh, a man could ever receive. She said, uh, it was maybe a week or two ago. I was talking about, uh, I was talking about maybe a podcast interview, or I was talking about a deal. And, uh, I was just talking about like the, the impact that I'm having. And she goes, man, God really captured your heart. Hmm. She goes, I really see that. Yeah. And like we've lost all our money. We've been, you know, like we've seen a couple of vehicles get towed off on the back of a tow truck and eviction notices on doors here. Right. I'm the, 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 the entrepreneur through and through put everything on red every time. Right. So, but, uh, hearing that was the best, best thing. So I would say that it's working and what changed in me was my vulnerability and my transparency, right. And allowing God to do work that I can't do on my own. Hmm. Hmm the key is what you just said, uh, allowing God to do the work that we can't do on our own. And, uh, I, I just relate that to having kids and <laughs> yeah. I love my kids all the time. It's those that are out of the house, you know, sometimes you have to let God do the work in them because we're not going to be able to change them and, yeah. and, uh, stepping back and, and letting them experience some of those things sometimes can be a hard thing. But it's a joy when they are choosing to, to walk, to, to, to make the right decisions and be transparent and letting God transform their life when they are transparent. Yeah. So yeah, no, that's awesome. Josh, how can people connect with you? 
how's the best way for a person to, 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 to connect with Josh Wilson if they want to find out more? Yeah. So I, you know, I, I spent a lot of time on LinkedIn, right. So they could look up uh, Joshua Bruce Wilson, right. And uh, you'll find me through, you know, a few of my different podcast shows or, you know, that's a good way to connect. Um, Chad, like just something just sparked my heart. Do you mind if I uh, say a quick prayer for your, your ministry partners out there? Yeah, that'd be awesome. Thanks. All right. Thanks, man. Yeah. If you said no to that, I'd be like, well, you can't say no to that. Right? I think that's the best call to action ever. Uh, so all you ministry leaders out there who are putting your blood, sweat, and tears into serving people and lifting them up, that's a tough job. That mm-hmm. job sometimes really sucks. And uh, I just want to encourage you and just say a quick prayer for you. Father God in heaven, thank you for bringing your brothers and sisters together to serve you, to build your kingdom, uh, some through the pulpit, some through business, mm-hmm. but uh, the, the people in, uh, in Chad's network and building ministries, God, I pray that you encourage them, you bless them, you, you open up uh, financial uh, blessings to, so they can expand their impact, give them wisdom, give them direction, let them know that you're proud of them just the way they are. In mm-hmm. Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah. Josh, you just modeled for me something that I had a colleague share with me uh, a few years ago. He said, whenever the spirit is prompting you to stop and pray, don't, don't neglect that. So thanks brother. Thanks for joining us today. And uh, um, yeah, let's, uh, let's stay in touch. Cool. We'll do man. We covered a lot in today's podcast. One of the things that you can sense with Josh is his appetite for learning, experimenting, and trying new things. You know, one of the best ways to learn is to connect with others. And I want to invite you to attend our annual digital ministry conference this October 6th and 7th. You'll be learning from other experts on how to scale your digital outreach. It's a very fast paced two days covering topics like such as the latest trends in social media, video personalization, and much more. Reserve your spot today at www.digitalministryconference.com. That's digitalministryconference.com. Thanks so much for listening to the Ministry at Scale podcast. Until next week, keep learning, keep growing, keep impacting your world for Christ.